Yes, very raunchy. That would have made your little uh, evening tea and scones with your grandma a bit more awkward. That was Serge Gunsberg with uh, Bridget Bardot, a little duet. Je t'aime, moi non plus. Donde esta mi amore? Donde esta mi amore? Happy Valentine's Day. Um, I hope you're all settling in and finding plenty of other things to do other than have sex because you're still listening to the radio at 11pm. Put away the Bridget Jones DVD, mate. Put away the loaf of multigrain bread that you're eating under your doona. See, that's a healthy choice. A lot of people would say, oh, I'm lonely, got no girlfriend, boyfriend or friend, full stop. And, and yeah, they say, I'm going to eat a big giant block, a one kilo block of Cadbury chocolate. Why don't you still eat a large quantity of a particular food, make it a healthy food, say, you know what, I'm going to turn this breakup into a good life-changing moment. I'm going to eat a whole, cel- a, a whole celery stick. I'm going to eat a whole cabbage. Let's get under my doona, put on Bridget Jones' diary, and just munch this whole cabbage down. Um, cabbage being the only food where the more you eat of it, the more weight you lose. I don't want to go into the reasons, uh, the ex- scientific explanation for how that works, but um, you might recall last year on Valentine's Day, I had uh, it, w- it was a show with my with my then girlfriend. Um, you may remember that show quite fondly. In fact, you might you might think about that show more than you still should. People might come up to you and say, you know, close friends of yours, and they'll say, uh, you need to listen to some other shows, you know. Try to move on from that show. Perhaps that show took out an AVO against you. You can't camp outside that show's apartment complex anymore. Now, it's a very special episode today. I did a big exclusive interview with a local author named uh, Terry Deeg. Now, Terry was a nuclear physicist. He retired. He decided to write some adult literature. He really got down and dirty. I had to edit out quite a lot of the interview because there were a lot of expletives. And it wasn't even about, like, sex or anything. He just called me the C word a lot. I mean, I I said I'd call him at quarter to seven, called him at 6.46, a minute late, all I get on the phone is C-bomb, C-bomb, you C-bomb. He starts dragging in some of my other Z colleagues in. Um, and so I had to edit out about 15 minutes of of the interview just to, just to get out the expletives. Hello? Hello, Terry. Yes, that's you, Harry. Terry, it's me, now mate. Look, but I, it's very noisy in there, so I walk out the back. Ah, what do you know? There's a nice... Uh, chair here I can sit down in. Oh, Ooh, terrific. Right? It's like a real work. interview. It's like, you know, I'm the psychologist and you're going to tell me all about this book that you're dreaming about writing. You're a, you're a psychologist. Uh, you I'm, a, I'm a psychologist and in that, a way. Like a lot of mates just <laughs> randomly come up to me and tell me about all their problems with girls, but they don't pay me money. <laughs> Oh, right, okay. And by the way, just out of interest, I had a look at your website, and I would say, judging by your website, that your uh, demographic is millennials. Am I right? Judging from my fan base, Terry, um, they're a bunch of 
depraved individuals. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'll try to to, uh, work around that one. All right. Now, I'm going to put it on speakerphone. Hold on. And then you can tell me when you're ready to record and we can go ahead. I'm ready when you are, Terry. Right. Just a moment. Looks good. Are we on speakerphone? Hello? Hello. Terry. Yep. I am on speakerphone. Good. Terry, welcome to 4 Z at a decanter of banter on this fine evening, Valentine's Day. All right. Glad to be with you, Harry, and to all your people out there. Thank you. Yes, I'm I'm exactly where my relatives think I would be on Valentine's Day, uh, with another man. (laughs) Your relatives think that. (laughs) <laughs> right. I've got to stop wearing heels to family Christmas. So well, where, do you, where do you go from here? Got a question? Only up, Terry. Look, you've gone from nuclear physicist to author. Right from the beginning, when I was at high school, I was a sort of a living, breathing uh, embodiment of, uh, of the, the, the clash of cultures. In other words, I, I was a science nerd in one sense. I always felt... Uh, the other thing might might have been more appropriate. I thought you were going to say so, you're a Jewish Muslim. That'd be a cla- that'd be a real clash of cultures. <laughs> yeah, that would be. <laughs> but, but no, I'm not that. Not on either of them. Uh, but go on. Next yeah. question. Yes, because I I understand that you wrote the first ever paper on uh, fossil fuels and their impact on the environment. No, I wouldn't say it was the first. But I, I believe it was the first review paper. Uh-huh. In other words, the first paper which reviewed all the research that other people had done, summarised it and draw, drew conclusions. Right. And that was in ni- 1975 it was published. I think I wrote 1973. Okay. Just a heads up, Terry. I'm going to edit out the part where you said you didn't actually write the first ever fossil fuels paper. <laughs> Are you? All right. Fine. No, just joshing with you. Uh, so w- when you came to writing a book, uh, did you decide not to write a book on climate change because you thought the government might put that book in the sci-fi uh, fiction section of the library? <laughs> no. No. I, I, it was probably a mistake on my part. Maybe I should have stayed in that field. I had several offers. But for some reason, I didn't grab the opportunity, and that was probably a mistake. But anyway, uh, I went on... Uh, being a fuel technologist for a while with BHP. Yes. And eventually uh, I got on to, when I was in retirement, I decided I'd do this writing thing. So you take into adult literature as opposed to, you know, your everyday literature. Uh, you say you, uh, you're trying to write some challenging adult literature. What do you mean by challenging? Is this long words or writing invisible pen or maybe vividly describing with pictures the pain associated with giving birth through a penis hole? Uh, No. Uh, Challenging means that uh, I'm a nasty person in a way. I set puzzles for people. Think Agatha Christie if you like. I set puzzles for people and tempt them to solve it. A lot of people don't like that but I think that's a very good way of uh, encouraging people to be on the team to be doing uh, doing their part as readers, uh, yes. as active readers, not passive readers. Because re- reading a book is usually a relaxing activity, but not when it comes to Terry Deeg. He will make you sweat. 
Yes, I'll prod you and poke you and uh, make sure you're awake and thinking and, uh, yeah, analyse it, right? Yes. Not quite as hard as a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> well, adult, adult uh, as a genre, is kind of hard to pin down. I mean, when you look at adult music, you've got stuff like Nick Cave and it's very grim and bleak. I mean, it's, it's kind of besmirches being an adult, doesn't it? I mean, being an adult doesn't have to be all, you know, darkness and clouds and... No, it doesn't. Uh, and I think of that guy, what was his name? Cohen, what was his first name? Jeremy. Uh, you probably... Jeremy? Steve. Is that his name? Louise. Canadian, I think. He was a Canadian, wasn't he? No, I think of him. He was pretty... His stuff was pretty grim. With, with adult literature, is it a bit of a gateway drug, in a way, to, to pornography addiction? No. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it along those lines, but it can be anything you want, really. Uh, I don't think that was my path, though, I have to say. So I don't think my book, pornograph my book is pornographic. Oh, there's nothing risque. Oh, there's risque. All I right. don't think right. Are there this sex scenes? Can we have an extract? <laughs> Not with me right now. Uh, there's... Any sex scenes that there are are not particularly explicit. Okay. okay. So I don't talk about penises and vaginas or whatever. Oh. Uh, not sure. Oh, we're, we're trying to sell some books here, Terry. <laughs> yes, I put a lot of customers off straight away. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that one. Uh, but anyway... Next question. Yes, because my, my mother is a uh, teacher librarian and she once told me that there's no such thing as true fiction. It's usually, mostly, just a de-identified de experience of the author themselves. So, judging from your book, Terry, you are a saucy devil. <laughs> what, you haven't read it, have you? I'm going to read it, obviously. We're, we're, are we're you here. going to read it? But I'll tell you what I'll Good. need to... What I'll need, if I'm going to read the book, is the title. Yes. Terry, what is the title? Oh, yes, yes, okay. Well, uh, Where Paddy Mellons Play. Where Paddy uh, Mellons Play. Yeah, do you know what a Paddy Mellon is? No. Yes. Next question. All right. Well, uh, this next question uh, is about books and reading itself. Now, I think that reading a book is a wholesome activity. And I think that crime rates would actually drop if people read more books. For example, when is the last time you heard a news report about a stabbing and it said, Gary, 22 years old from Newmarket, who is very widely read, was found guilty of four <laughs> counts of larceny? Yes. Yes. Point. Point made. Well, do yeah, you think I there's agree. a correlation between people who read books and people who don't commit crime? You'd have to do a scientific study on that one, really. Don't, don't expect me to answer that. <laughs> and we've only got a nuclear physicist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did the stats and all that sort of thing, so I don't want to give a, a, a off-the-cuff the, off answer to that question, but it might be true. Yes. Well, do you... And as for your... Oh, go on. No, you go, go on. on. You go on, Terry. No, I was just going to say, uh, as for your comment about uh, no true fiction, uh, well, yeah, I think, of course, it's almost uh, self-evident, that one. No fiction is true fiction. It's always trying to make a point. It should be trying to make a point somewhere along the line about the real world. Yes. So I think fiction is actually a better way uh, in which to portray the real world than actually a dry, factual account like a history. <laughs>
that that's the most persuasive part of storytelling is it's about showing not telling and then fiction has the ability to, to show and not just state facts yeah, and, yeah. And, and opinions yeah well the subtitle of my book is a presentation i don't call it a novel i call it a presentation right but that sh- means showing because the pre- to present something is to show it indeed i see you have a thesaurus on hand terry <laughs> no, no, I'm out here in the dark enjoying the nice, cool change that's coming through. Is that is that how but, authors work, though? Do you think that authors, the you know, they write, the cat was big, and then they go big, and they go thesaurus.com. Aha, the cat was <laughs> elephantine. <laughs> well, that's a very simplistic example you've given, but I do use a thesaurus a bit. Some people say a good writer should not use a thesaurus, but... You know who those people are, though, Terry. They're the ones who get home, gently open the gate, creep inside, look around, put their fingerprint on the lock that opens the safe containing the thesaurus, which they spend the whole night reading and reciting. I don't know. I like a thesaurus. I agree. I mean, imagine a world without a thesaurus, Terry. It'd be bad. It would be... It would be, uh, it would be not good. Yes. But I don't go out of my way. I don't try to get a big word just because it's a big word. That's a fatal mistake. Absolutely. I mean, I've heard it said that the, that life is too short to read a bad book. But in a way, I kind of disagree because bad books are good in the sense that when you catch up with an old friend you haven't seen for like three years and then you realise as you approach them at the coffee table that you're still single and you still have the same job, you realise you do have something to talk about. That really shit book you read. Yeah, you mean you, uh, what you've got in common is that you've both read a bad book. Yes. Right? What you're yeah, I suppose so. I'm going to read a lead child book one of these days, you know. <laughs> That's a nice segue from bad book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's not such a bad book. Though. Five years is a long gestation period, though, Terry. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's a long book, six hundred bloody pages. Oh my days! There better be some pictures. <laughs> the only picture is on the front. Well, I do understand why an adult literature book wouldn't have pictures on the inside because you couldn't exactly go reading it on a busy train, then, could you? It's that man. Oh, kids, kids, don't look. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I suppose you're right. Uh, no, no, I. You can read this on a busy train. It might be a bit heavy, though. It's hard to... It's half the promotion of a book is when everyone's reading it and they walk around with it in the street and you go, oh, that's a nice book. I was actually... Um, I was reading Boy Swallows Universe the other day. Oh, yeah, oh, I've read that. Yeah. Isn't it a great book, that. Terry? Yep. Mm. Uh, and I was, it's long, too. Oh, it is quite long. Um, yeah. I was walking down the street and in, in the space of two days, three middle-aged men came up to me and said, what a great book. And so uh, this is a message for all my... <laughs> middle-aged, uh, divorced women listeners, forget about all those fees on eHarmony. Just grab a copy of Boy Swallows Universe and walk around Queen Street Mall. Trust me, they'll approach. Yes. All right. No, that's good thinking. Good thinking. I like that. Uh, uh, all right. Well... Terry, what are your plans tonight for Valentine's Day? What are you doing? Well, I'm around here at the local... Uh, this was a small village on the Capricorn Coast. Right. And a friend of mine caught a very, very, very large fish 
in the Fitzroy River. Oh, my. And gave it to me. And I said, what could I do with this fish? It's too large. It won't even fit in my freezer. And you put, on it, you put it under his bed? <laughs> put it under my bed? <laughs> what for? But anyway, no, I, I, I gave it to the co-op, and they're having a, a Valentine's Day dinner with a whole lot of people who eat one fish. How about that? Mate, Terry, you're not Mr. Terry Deeg, author. You are Jesus, miracle worker, feeding a whole village with one fish. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, the loaves and fishes. I forgot about that one. Good one. <laughs> well... <laughs> Terry, on that well, note, you've just been called Jesus live on air. I think you really can retire again for real now. Uh, <laughs> but I'm really looking okay. forward to reading where Patermelons... Uh, where, Christ, what was play. It? Where, where Patermelons play. This is good filler, isn't it? I was going to tell that story about how I secretly agree with Pauline Hanson's policies, but I might just let the song run out and maybe we can just skip that part. See, it's the first song on the album, but it ends like it's the last song. This is the part where you leave the guitar just leaning against the amp and you go, Thank you, Brisbane! Good night! The one, the one song set. We haven't seen this sort of thing since the 80s. They play one song. They finished like they just played the whole of Pink Floyd's The Wall, forwards and reverse. Leave the feedback going for six bloody minutes or so. How self-indulgent. Some repetitive drone of some guitars and synth and a drowned out saxophone. You think you've got a bloody Mozart composition. Gonna waste five minutes of my time and your time. You're, you're in this too, you're listening on the radio. Presumably, if anyone is. Guys, play the next song, mate. No, you still want to just close your eyes and pretend like you're having an out-of-body experience as you play the same note over and over again. That was the war on drugs! With Under the Pressure. Anyway, I played a bit of handball when I was younger. They, they used to call me Harry Pencil Stab Lee because I would stab kids who beat me at handball with a pencil in the eyes. I pose a very philosophical question to you, and that is that, and you know you, I'm talking to you, and that is, if we take a classic novel, for example, or presume that you're a massive Lord of the Rings fan, if we're going to say J.R. Tolkien, uh, and then and their, and their book, Lord, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, if they had used as their creative process to write that trilogy, their creative process involved flipping... Um, flipping prams just like like babies and prams the only way they could come up with ideas and and to beat the writer's block was just flip prams just walk down coronation uh drive you know the bicentennial bikeway and just just run past prams and flip them you know uh would if that was the process that jr tolkien would use would you say you know what i i i wish they didn't write that trilogy because flipping prams is a bad thing or would you say well this is quite this is quite a trilogy. You know what? Maybe a few babies had to get flipped out of their prams in the name of a great trilogy. You know, these are big philosophical questions. At what cost do we uh, do we value um, a good fantasy 
novel trilogy. They say if you do something a lot and you do it voluntarily, then it's technically a hobby. Therefore, amongst my many hobbies include farting as I walk down Queen Street Mall. Uh, road rager Prince Philip. He's been driving around uh, the UK ploughing into innocent civilians. This guy uh, is married to the Queen. And just as a gentle reminder, every person in the Commonwealth is able to be prosecuted by police in the criminal courts, except the Queen. She is absolutely immune because she can actually pardon people. So what she can do is just pardon herself. So why bother? In fact, if her husband's going to get charged, I mean, that actually, you just pardon the blow. You'd be like, all right, I've got a few demands, Prince Philip. You've got to stop peeing in the shower if you want to get pardoned. He'd be like, oh, Queenie, I'm sorry. You've got to start closing the door when you do a number two, all right? You, you hear me, Prince Philip? Yeah, I hear you, Queen. But, um, you know, she can't be prosecuted for anything. What an extraordinary opportunity to become a nudist. Queen Elizabeth can just walk down the street anywhere in the Commonwealth, stark naked, absolutely starkers, and not get in trouble. She has the power to be a loud and proud nudist. And Queen Lizzie, you got to get into it, mate. But you'll be happy to hear that uh, Prince Philip was not actually charged over the car crash. But, and you'll be even more happy to hear, you'll be happier to hear that he was driven away from the court in the passenger seat of the vehicle. But yes, I mean, I, mean, I wonder what the fellow was doing in the first place, driving around in a car by himself. This guy's, you know, married to the Queen, right? Surely they got enough money to have drivers. I mean, lowly little members of Parliament in, in you know, Australia have drivers, and that's for their helicopters, let alone their cars. So, I mean, this guy was up to no good that night. It was it was late at night. He's he's off driving by himself. Something stinks here. And I'm not talking about the dead bodies in the cars that Prince Philip ploughed his car into. And by dead bodies, I, of course, mean a lady who apparently, according to reports uh, obtained from medical records, a scratch on a knee. But I tell you what. When the culprit is uh, married to the queen, you try and milk it for all it's worth. You go straight to your local personal injury lawyer and you go, put this scratched knee in a sling, give me a wheelchair, put a helmet on me, I'll just start dribbling. Let's see what we can get. Um, Fantastic stuff from then. I think that the queen was saying, look, Philip, you've put on a bit of weight. No more pasta anymore. He's got in the car. He's going, are you effing serious? As soon as Lizzie falls asleep, he's driving to La Paqueta in the middle of the night. Hello? Hello, Wayne Bartholomew, <laughs> a.k.a. Rabbit. That's me, yeah. Oh, mate, it's good to hear your voice. Wondering, wondering if we could do an interview. Yeah, sweet, mate. That'd be sweet. Oh, Wayne, you're too good to me. <laughs> Three, two... Wow, what an incredible event on a decanter of banter today. No, I haven't gone 24 hours without farting on a bus. We have in the studio uh, an absolute celebrity. The 1978 world champion of surfing, now the organiser of the Drop Music Festival and also a proud Mormon, Wayne Rabbit Bartholomew. How are you, sir? I'm great. (laughs) Right, so you started off surfing you said enough of that let's make a music festival 
and the drop. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Oh well, you know, like in, in, in the uh, in the seventies and eighties, there always used to be a lot of live, a lot more live music around surfing. Like you'd, you know, you'd go to surf contests or have a big surf day, and then you know you'd, you'd go to these places, these venues, and just see incredible live bands, and you know some of the you know the best in Australia at the time, and. Um, Music sort of found its way into sporting events recently. We, we've obviously seen the Australian Open recently with DMAs and ballpark music and, of course, Jet, who played Are You Gonna Be My Girl, a record 18 times in a row. And yeah. um, perhaps Splendor, Splendor in the Grass needs to get some midget throwing or something, needs to get some sport there, otherwise they're going to lose all their customers to the to the drop in the Australian Open. Who are getting more bang oh, for their well, buck. I mean... Yeah, well, I mean, you know, but surfing and music has always been there, you know. I mean, surfers have used it, the inspiration of music for, for decades and, you know, it really goes all the way back to that whole youth revolution. And, you know, surfers were the original rebels and, you know, it, it's, it's been hand-in-hand hand ever since. Yes. It has been said um, by uh, female surfing star Kelly Slater that surfing is, you know, when it comes to the surfing tour... Uh, it's a bit, surfing is like the hazelnut Nutella, the hint of hazelnut. It's one part surfing, four parts partying. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, uh, to, to be number one in the world, you've got to do uh, probably the other way around. But, um, you know, surfing is a big celebration of life. And um, at the end of every day, there's nothing better than to celebrate it with some good live music, man. Yes, I agree. And as one of the greatest ever male surfers once said, uh, Wayne Beachley, uh, that surfing is a bit like heroin. It's not a hobby. It becomes a lifestyle. Oh, well, I mean, you know, what a great thing to be addicted to. <laughs> <laughs> more wholesome. Just a touch more. Just a touch. Well, but is surfing all that wholesome? Because we've heard reports recently from the not-for-profit organisation Melbourne Street Artists Against Surfing, that surfers are actually disrupting the sleeping patterns of crayfish. Can you confirm or deny this, this allegation? Well, you know, they, they are uh, an endangered species, and uh, obviously I'm talking about surfers. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, we, we've got to, we, we must protect them. That We must have you know, marine sanctuaries for them. Uh, perhaps we should corral them off yes well i don't know much about science but they must be right but, but you know even if surfing is a bit dangerous you know with sharks and whatnot and um and even when they get back on land there's lone sharks you're not safe anywhere but no. uh perhaps the safest option is you know kelly slater's pro surfing 2004 on xbox is realistic enough you know you get the whole experience oh well you know i mean surfers just push the limits in every way you know i mean the, the big wave surfing now is unbelievable surfing pipeline and chopu incredible but you know definitely uh surfers um you know when they're having a good time uh, look out it, it's on <laughs> yes so what prompted you to to start this other than uh i mean it's not a midlife crisis is it wayne starting a music festival well it's it's something i really always want to do i i i, I am a bit of a, a rock and roll tragic um as far yes. as i did i did have my own band at one stage i was the front man for a band and um what are they called you know, the, the fire walkers the fire walkers um, yeah, the there... fire walkers and as we went on we, we became the dreaded fire walkers oh <laughs> <laughs> the aptly named dreaded fire walkers 
Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm there, you know, I'm there with all the punters, just having a good time. Well, it's a great lineup. I mean, I'm looking. So Angus and Julia Stone are they siblings, husband and wife, or are they from Killarney? Yeah, and they're all yeah, of the above. Yeah, yeah, all of the above. <laughs> but um, I mean, they're, they're incredible to see. Um, I, I've seen them before, and so so where did so the name the Drop Festival the Drop? I mean, is that a reference to the surfing technique or Peter Siddle's contribution to the 2018-2019 Test series against India? <laughs> okay, no, no, no. The Drop, you know, surfing that's. You know, I used to take the drop surfing pipeline in Hawaii and, you know, the drop's all part of it. You know, you drop into the into the wave, you drop into the big big waves and you drop into the fe- into the festival. Yeah, in the mosh. Yeah, no, that's great. I've just got some fan mail here, Brabbit. Do you mind if I just rip into this? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, this one is from Terry from Balimba. Terry says, Grandma was pretty much like a mum to me. She raised me since birth after mum and dad ran away. She paid for my uni and helped me get started at my current job at the call centre. Her funeral is on Saturday the 6th of April. Should I go to that or the drop festival at Coolangatta? Oh, well, I mean, let's face it. He is going to find his parents at the drop festival after all this time, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think they ran away to? Cheers, bro. Yo-ho! Yo-ho! Oh, good, mo- good evening. Good evening, Queensland. Good afternoon, Azerbaijan. And good evening, Mike Crowley. How do you do? I'm fantastic, Harry. How are you, mate? I'm excellent. I, I actually panic when I'm alone and I start winging in my own mouth. So I'm... Thank God you're here. So you, you've been watching a bit of comedy tonight, mate. How did it go? Mate, it was fantastic. I went to see uh, Mel Buttle and Damien Power, two of the best comedians in the country in my yes, humble opinion you seem to be dodging the big question that is who is funnier the man or the woman that's not a question i'll be answering in terms of gender harry we don't okay. do that here we're in an enlightened radio station we are woke i believe the term is that's that well we we're awake um i'm not sure if all of us are woke here yes <laughs> speaking for myself oh, nah. you're, you're, you're looking at me very intently when you say that but look ca- carry on so you saw these two comedians yeah and and you like them both. I do. It was interesting because they were trial shows, right? And I sort of... Mel posted about it today on her social media. And she's like, I'm doing this free show. And I was like, hell yeah, I want to see Damien Power and Mel. And like, I was like... Is that in a tag? Yeah, I was like, hell yeah, guys. I'm going to shout out you guys after the show because that's how these things work. Shout out after the show. Hey, by the way, guys, <laughs> if you have a time machine and you want to go back in time, catch these shows, they were great. No, yes. they were, they were, it was kind of cool because it was like a first, not first draft. I mean, I've seen them do these bits in comedy clubs before, and um, but just them trying to string it all together in a show for the first time was really interesting. And it was like, they're... They were honestly like going to the audience for like, hey, do you think these ideas connect? And like, you're kidding. Yeah, no, not at all. So all comedians are secretly just not very funny. No, they, they get all the ideas from the audience. No, they outsource it all. They bring in a bunch of Pakistani people. They put them in the audience. That's not right? what happens. And they outsource it. It's <laughs> absolutely not what happens. Okay. Well. Uh, <laughs> So, did you provide any ideas? They come, do they say... Um, no, like, I, I talked to Damo for a bit, and I was like, oh, have you read this book? I'm pretty sure his show starts at the uh, Brisbane Comedy Festival at the Powerhouse next week. So, yes. there you go. But I'm, I'm going along. Are you going to go watch Harry? Yeah, I think I will. Yeah, I think but... I will. I, w- I went last year. Um, 
with uh, my ex-girlfriend. Oh. And, and I went again with oh. a friend. I can't possibly say that any particular person is attached to that right. festival. Yeah. It's um, kind of nice, though. Because, you know, sometimes when you listen to an album or you watch a movie and you're watching it around a period where you first become infatuated or start liking someone, and then when you break up with that person, you just can't watch it anymore. I, that's the worst. That's Freddie Got Fingered for me. Yeah. Uh, the we used to watch that all the time. Yep. It was our bedtime film. Yep. And yep. now all I do is watch Freddie Fingered and Sob. Yeah. Yep. But I, I'm i starting to think Freddy of Freddie Got Fingered. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Seth Green classic. Yeah, yeah. What is he doing these days? I actually know. I saw him. You did? He was on St. Paul's Terrace. No. No, way. seriously. He was. I, I'm not sure if it was him. He was wearing sunglasses and a hood and spilling Coca-Cola on his track pants and mumbling to himself. But I had a feeling it was Seth Green. Yeah. I thought I knew that He's mumbling. actually a method actor, man. Do you know this about him? <laughs> Serious method actor. To, to get... Like to Heath get, Ledger. Like, to get... Yeah. To the get, greatest method actor of all time. Became well, a joker. Died. Yeah. That's... Isn't that the ultimate joke? No, that's terrible. Um, but Seth Green, for his role in... I don't know if you've seen Rat Race... Yes. He's not in Rat Race, is he? Yeah, he is. Who is he? He's Seth Green. He's himself. No, no. He he plays, like, the same character he always plays. See, that's the whole thing about him, though. Like, he always plays the same character, but what if he's just in Method? He's in Method the whole goddamn time. Oh. So no one actually knows the real Seth Green. Well, maybe... He's just always Method acting for the same role. could be a pseudonym. Maybe his name is Bob Jones. I don't know. Is it too early for conspiracies? Absolutely not. If anything, it's too late. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to go, uh, here's one for you. Yeah. I'm starting to think that comedians uh. are a little bit like architecture tutors at university. You know, like they're, they're a student. They say, <laughs> all right, let's come up with this cool idea for how we could have like a park in a building. And then like all these university students will come up with ideas and they go, that is a winning idea. Yeah. And then one day you're walking down the street and you're like, mom, dad, look at that. Check it out. They made my assignment into a building. Isn't that cool? And it's like, no, they just plagiarized you. That that happens a lot. I it's actually think, a big problem. No. See, no. So I think you misunderstand me, Harry. With the show, these comedians have written these bits. I've seen these bits performed in comedy clubs before, right? But they're You've seen to, all their bits. Some would say that. And, <laughs> <laughs> and um, they were just trying to put them... They, they were like seeing how they all flowed together as a coherent body of work if you know what I mean okay yeah yes I, I'm not sure about people talk like going to a comedy and you and you I'm not saying I, well I can't exactly say I was paying to go see comedy I, I walked through the door to see comedy yeah and and someone starts talking about their problems it's sort of like well if I wanted to hear someone talk about their problems you know I just look in the mirror and ask myself how my uh, like love 90, life's going 95% of stand up comedy is people complaining though but in a funny way Michael he, he, he... It's he about was, the endorphins, Michael. Yeah. You're the ultimate comedian now. That's that's the vibe I'm getting. You're the ultimate comedian. Where's your Brisbane Comedy Festival show, Harry? Oh. Are you... Are you... Are you the real Damien Powell? No, you're, you're sounding like that person who when you're, at, when you're at work and you're like, oh, God, Internet Explorer is so slow. Oh, will you make a better web browser? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So you're coming across, Michael. Okay. In front of everyone, in front of the girls. The girls are all listening and you're making fun of me. I'm sorry to embarrass you. <laughs> I got a lovely bit of sun on Sunday. I uh, tell me about it. Oh, so when paint, I to, paint me a word picture. This is 
this will take this will be quite a big picture. Um, I decided. Look, I'll take it back to Saturday night. Okay. I'd been drinking for a long time. Yes. At about drinking water, drinking water and kombucha and a whole lot of kombucha. <laughs> Daddy had had a lot of kombuchas. Ooh. Um, they didn't settle well in his stomach. No. Uh, yeah. So, and I, at one point, I was just sort of like squatting on the ground, and yeah. this guy came over, about forty, big long grey beard. This man was wise. But comb over on top. That was me. He probably worked at. He was a barista. He had. He must have been a barista. Mm, okay. But um. Because he, he smelled of coffee, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not. And sardines. We're not, we're not profiling or stereotyping. We never do that on this no. show. And he he was wearing a 1920s apron. That kind of gave it away too. Okay. But he, he so he, he he knelt down with me and he said, "What's going on, mate?" And I said, yeah. "Look." I've been drinking for like 12 hours. Yeah. I'm just tired. Mm. And he said, you need to do some wholesome things. I'm going to give you some advice, all right? You need to go and meditate by the ocean. Sea breezes cure. They cleanse you. I said, I, don't like, I didn't like the first part. All right, I'm going to keep drinking. But I like the second part. Sea breeze. Mm. Sunday, uh, and I, I said, where are my housemates? I text him. So where are you guys? Where'd you all go? I said, we're off watching the Women's Big Bash. We're at, we're at uh, Win- Wilston. So I simply replied saying, what? Do you think I'm a half-decent bloke and I'm going to give women's cricket a fair crack? Mm. All right? No. This is what I'm going to do. I am going <laughs> on a bike ride bike to Shorncliffe. That's not close. So there I was. I just hopped on my bike. Just for our international listeners' sake, Harry, about how far is Shorncliffe? It's a bloody long way, and I'll tell you what makes it even longer. Yeah. When you get there, you chill out on the beach for a while, cop some sea breezes. Yeah. Um, and then your phone goes flat, and you don't, you don't know how you got there. It's night time, and you don't have bike lights. There is a train, I think, that goes to Sean. I, I would even, I, I, I would love to go there, but it's kind of like, have you ever done this? I'm fascinated by this idea. So places that you go past every single day, right? Yes. But. You never go in because you kind of like having that mystery. Aha, uh-huh. like the women's bathroom. Let's just go in. I've already, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I have never. So, what are you trying to say? Yeah, no, no. Well, well, <laughs> well, I just there was this restaurant near me, right? And for for years, like ten years, I would drive past it probably every day. Right. And I never went inside. And then one day it was closed for business and something else moved in. What you need to do, Michael, you need to write this down. I need to write this down. You need to go, you need to meditate. You need to get some sea breeze. You need I to need stop to drinking and you need to write this down. Stop drinking? Hey, well. I'm wearing a 1920s apron. Hey. Believe me. Hey, hey, I got a moustache that curls up on the ends. They're waxed. I haven't washed it in that three years. I, I, I see people that put wax shit in their moustaches. That, that is too much, right? That Nothing's would be, that ever would, too much. That, no, no, but... That, in the, se- in the sense that it would just it would feel itchy and annoying, surely. It's not too much, Mike. The only thing that's too much is grabbing someone's ass and going, Yeah, Daddy! Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That, that, that That'd be a bit much. too much. That would be too much. Um, yeah, so that's what people keep telling me. But... This is uh, baseball a player, right? And this is one of the first sort of instances of doping. What he used to do, he would crush up hamster testicles and inject that into himself. Why did he need to inject it? Oh, because it then goes straight into your, your bloodstream again. I feel like if you eat it, maybe the proteins might change. I That's a man who's searching for some highs. Like he he's he's done with meth. He's like, I need more. I need more. <laughs> Give me the hamster testicle. Crush him up. <laughs> he's teaching like twelve year old delinquent kids who even like dodging the, school the, in a park the how to do thing it. To me, is like like because hamsters aren't big, right? So like he would have had to castrate a lot of hamsters to get his. 
his thing, right? Yeah. Like, What's his next one going to be? I'm gonna, uh, a big cup of, you know, bee semen. I had to milk all these bees. Absolutely. And just covered in welts. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. <laughs> that's, that sentence has never been said before. <laughs> I'm harvesting... Do you ever think about that? I wonder if this sentence has ever been said before. I do, uh, yeah. I think... Thanks for the internet. Oh, wait, okay, 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 okay. This is a fun game. Okay, let's have it. I like games. Uh, okay, say a sentence that no one's ever said before. Harry, go. Uh, Bob Irwin. Mm. That's the... That's in a jacuzzi. Oh, hello. With a squid. Saying, as he puts his arm around the squid. Mm, okay, yeah, now we're gone. The cameras are off. <laughs> Let's do what we really feel. Michael, you came to me a while ago and you came to me, uh, you E came to me because you sent me a message. Yeah. I have a message and you said, yeah. comedy band, what do you reckon? Comedy band. Comedy band. And you might have noticed my response was quite tepid. Yes. I, <laughs> I'm a bit I busy certain. right now um, <laughs> scratching my pork scratching. I've got... <laughs> I'm making a bomb Alaska. Uh, please come back and I actually time. put that on my Tinder profile. It's like, if you can't make a bomb Alaska, just forget, just forget about it. <laughs> like, where can you imagine, like, if you were applying for a job and they were like, okay, we just need to do this one thing, make a bomb Alaska. <laughs> well, it's a good way to sort of um, justify uh, not having any matches. Like, well, none of them can make a bomb Alaska. Yeah. Prison women need, women need to up their game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Put it back on them, you know. Yeah. That's one of the that's one of the great things about being single, blaming everyone else for not getting with you. Yeah. Um uh, so when it came to comedy bands, I mean I do harbour certain prejudices towards I've never found a comedy band, with the exception being some flight of the Concords material, and I mean some. I've never found some. comedy bands particularly funny, See, nor I have I found them particularly you know, musically apt. Does anyone ever really retire? You only Do you re- ever retire. Re- you go to the you, you retire when you walk yourself down to the glue factory. That's what I always say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you a horse, Harry? <laughs> <laughs> and then you, and then even then you don't really retire because you're still getting put to practical use. Yeah. You know, you get your oohu stick out and you go, thanks, Grandpa. Yeah. Anyway, comedy band. Is this happening or not? Or are you gonna? Is this like one of those live a prank, comedy band prank is situations? Like, is this? Am I live on the cameras and and a whole crew is gonna bust in and be like, pranked Mike? We invited you here tonight just to let you know that you are not gonna be in a comedy band. Um, have good luck picking up the pieces. That's a pick up the pieces. That's a band joke. Um, He's flown here from Perth. Yeah. Under the impression that this is the <laughs> night. That we get the comedy band together. He bought a new suit for this. I bought a new suit. <laughs> the moment he thought I was going to say those words, I say, a comedy band is like a tandoori chicken burger. Yeah. It's pretty crappy tandoori chicken, and it's a pretty crappy burger. So just keep the two separate. <laughs> got music over here, we've got comedy over there. It's yeah. like cousins. No yeah. kissing, no getting together. <laughs> separate. <laughs> the thing, see, it, here's the inherent problem, yeah. Michael. With the comedy I, band. I play drums. All right, what comedy band ever drums. had a drummer? You, you are the drums. Right. You're the drums. You're the beat in my life. It's really sweet. That's How many right. other guys have you said that to? No one. No one. Not definitely not Ari Tooth. No one. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how could you ever be famous? All right, and but be a comedy band drummer. I mean, who would have ever said? 
Who is that guy? That guy's familiar. Oh, yeah. That's the guy who's the he's the drummer in that comedy band. Yeah, but you can have that kind of anonymity. And I think that's kind of a, a fun thing to play with. I saw, I was watching this comedy routine and someone was talking about how, like, if they could be one rich and famous person, they would be the drummer from Coldplay because no one knows who that fucking is, right? Yeah. Okay. I, by that same time, I saw Because, like, like, I'd be the front man. I'd be, like, you know, I'd start seeing all these women because, obviously, we'd be that successful. Then I'd start having a heroin addiction problem. Yeah. You'd be making safe investments and having a good family, sending your kids to private school and just living it up as this anonymous comedy rock star. Yes. House, kids, wife. Investment property. Tesla. Yep. God. It's beautiful. I can almost picture it. Yeah. I'm going to write about it. Okay. Sometimes I say, if you can imagine it, you've yeah. done it. What sort of comedy band would we be, though? That's the, that's the question. Like, Pretty crap one. Yeah, probably. Um, My guitar got stolen. The, the drums would be awesome, though. Yeah. I mean, who, I mean, like, who... <laughs> who would ever come over to my house? And go, Harry, how do you afford all of this stuff? How do you afford all this Serena tuna and all these bananas when there's just been a cyclone in, in Townsville? And I'll say, how do you afford simple. to eat Uncle Ben's microwave rice all the time instead of normal, normal boil in your pot rice? It's pretty simple. I'm a drummer in a comedy band. <laughs> Can you imagine? I made safe investments. Can you imagine that's like, you know, in movies how like... Uh, I think this is one movie, Once a Time in America and like Robert De Niro's character. like It's a fantastic film. You've seen it? Not enough people have seen that film. Have you actually seen it? I, I love it. It's like, With James Woods. like four and a half hours long. It is. You know exactly it's, what I'm talking about. It has, it's like one of like two films I've ever seen that has an intermission. Yes. It's literally like, I know you, ha- you have a VCR. In the DVD. You can, you can pause this whenever you want, but we're telling you, guys, you need to have a break right now. <laughs> it's, like, it's the original Netflix asking, have you watched too much TV today? Yes. But yeah. yeah, in that movie, he, he, <laughs> he gets invited to James Woods' house at the end, right? And he's like, oh, I'm so rich. And it's like, how did you get so rich? I'm a comedy band drummer. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about something that's incredibly Mm. close to my heart. Okay. And at the same time... Is that your lungs? Yes. (laughs) At the same time, very far from my heart. Um, It's a dog that we had for a time. Uh, A dog, yes. It was taken to Ipswich. Oh, what? The the dog I met the other day? Uh, Yes. You're joking. So it was basically, we were foster caring it. So my my house was foster caring a dog. And then someone bloody bought it. No way! And this beautiful family from Ipswich yeah. come take it away, and it all happened so quickly. Yeah. And so our other housemate came home. He's like, "Where's Mac? Where's the dog?" Mm. And we said, "He's gone to Ipswich." And as it was, fell away. That I sounds like something your euphemism. dad would say to put down the dog. <laughs> like it sounds like a euphemism for dead. Yeah, it sure. Uh, does. Where's Grandpa? He's he's gone to Ipswich, yeah. son. Yeah, he's yeah. gone to Ipswich. Yeah. And then when you, when you grow older, old enough to get your own go-kart, you go down to Ipswich to find Grandpa and the yeah. dog. I'll find them. Daddy said they're in Ipswich. Yeah. And then you look around Ipswich and you go, oh, God, if, if they're here, they must have been really bad people. They must have really sinned if this is where they went. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the Candidate of Banter. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> With your host, Harry Ravel Lee. And your expert on whaling, Will Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you're here for the whaling special. First question, whaling, yay or nay? Harry, I want to tell you tonight about how actually Japanese whaling is the most effective way to reduce sea levels. And we're going to go into a very, very great depth of that tonight. But first things You're first. an environmentalist. <laughs> I'm an environmentalist. You're an environmentalist. <laughs> of the world. We have too many blue whales already anyway. 
They, that's a good point because people say, "Oh, global warming's bad because the ice caps melting, water levels rising." It's yeah. like, "Oh, but they just cull the whales." You pull, like, you pull the whales out, mate. Uh, was it Archimedes who jumped at the barge and said, "Eureka, I've got it." Uh-huh. You know, body and water makes the water level rise. So you pull that body out, water yeah. level falls. We have we've already figured it out, Harry. Give us the Nobel Prize already. It's taken us too long. You know, it's important that the young ones, you know, get some right-wing, uh, you know, uh, propaganda as well uh, as left-wing propaganda. And, you know, Alan Jones with the suit and tie and the grey hair and the, the always the, the frown and the grimace. He doesn't appeal to the young people. We need a tie-dye Alan Jones. We need a hashtag Alan Jones. Let's hashtag Alan Jones, mate. And here's the thing, mate. He, he's, he's, a, he's got a seat on the board of the old SCG committee, doesn't he? And he's been threatening that that's going to get taken off him if the Labor gains the power in the next election. Can you believe it? Do you reckon that power would be taken off a tie-dye Alan Jones? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, no, no. He'd be on the board of Triple J. Yeah, he'd be on the, every board in the country, mate. <laughs> he'd be here. In fact, he is. Yeah, Hello. <laughs> Welcome, Alan. <laughs> G'day, boys. How you going? That's like the Jerry Springer show when you're talking about to, to your ex. Like, yeah, she was such a bitch, man. And then it's like, well, she's here. Right now, but surely after the first episode, everyone in the format of Jerry Springer, <laughs> not not the Columbians themselves, maybe he's saying you know Colombia's they're, they're accepting a lot of um, Venezuelan refugees currently, oh, right, right, due to the communist regime breakdown. They don't have an island in Venezuela. They don't have an island. They can just unfortunately, put them on. there's no island they can put them on. An island with a different jurisdiction, you can just no, put them on. And no, 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 no. It's, it's send not, over a couple of cartons it's, it's, of chum dog food and say, you know, feed yourselves, have a good time. It's an island. It's a party. All I'm saying, Harry, is it's not snowing in Colombia right now. It's not Christmas time. Which is in Australia because we have Christmas Island and it's open 24-7, baby. Yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah, sounds great. Every day is Christmas. Santa's there, the jolly fat man, or is that just Scott Morrison? Who knows? Yes, every day is Ireland. <laughs> um, and I just want to say one very serious thing on this International Women's Day. Hit me, Harry. And that is that I, as the managing director and founder of A Decanter of Banter, do pledge that from now on, I will be paying all my female employees the same amount of money as all the other female employees. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! That's so amazing. And that's I didn't say so anything amazing. about I didn't say anything about paying super. But hey, hey, fun, fun, fun! <laughs> Happy International Women's Day, everybody! I was in. I, I, there's a little trick I like to do when I'm out and about, and you just walk up to people who are in the middle of a conversation. Doesn't matter what they're talking about. They could be talking about how a close relative just passed away. And you just go up and you go, you're transphobic. <laughs> and they invariably go, no, whoa, 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 no, I'm not. You go, no, you are. You're transphobic. That that works a lot. And it's, uh, again, you're, you're learning a lot from our, our learned friends in the media these days, Harry. So I think, I think you have a future. You have a future in this industry, mate. But this is where it can go wrong, Will. Because I did this at Friday's. And I went up to these two girls. And so I went up to these girls and I said, you're transphobic. They said, no, 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 we're not. And then I said, you are transphobic. And then before they had a chance to answer, a big burly man in a beanie came over and said, you leave those girls alone. And his hands curled up into fists. And I said, okay, okay. I'll, yeah, I'm out of here. Okay. And then security rushed over to me. And one of them gets in his headpiece and says, yes, I saw the whole thing. This guy just started a fight with the guy with the beanie. And I got kicked out. You got kicked out. I got kicked out. Was this recently? This was last Friday. Why didn't you tell me about this before, Harry? 
I was in shock at the injustice. The hashtag, where is the hashtag justice? Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. You're transphobic because you know who he was. If he was in the Valley, he'd be the Valley Vigilante. Oh, we, <laughs> we've, had, we've had some runners with Vigi- oh. the Valley Vigilante before, haven't we? Is he bothering you, lady? Is he, do, you want me, do you want me to sort him out? It's a hero oh. that Brisbane neither needs or deserves the Valley Vigilante <laughs> and um, unfortunately he comes with many masks, the man of many faces, as it were. He's everywhere. Oh, I got, I got some- But he is a hero. I got some terrible stories about those. But, but they're, the, they're, the, they're the, the kind of guy who has like three AVOs against him from all his ex-girlfriends. And then he'll take it upon himself to, on a Saturday night in the valley, between a cordial conversation and a, between a man and a woman, come up and go, is he bothering you? Is it all right, love? Are you all right? Are I'm you all right, okay. love? <laughs> the Valley Vigilante. He can't handle um, strong conversation because he's never had one himself, with himself. Because if yeah. he had, he would realise being the Valley Vigilante is actually counterproductive to his goals. Which is to meet a lovely lady. As he, love. <laughs> as he said out loud, are you all right? He caught his reflection in the mirror and he went, No, 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 no. Am I all right? Am I okay? <laughs> he walked outside in the pouring rain and looked down in the puddle and saw himself again. <laughs> a single tear rolling his face. And the resonance of that, that tear hitting the puddle made him realise <laughs> entirely that he needed to change. I need to appeal those three AVOs <laughs> so I'm not a complete hypocrite. I should probably go to court and get that sorted out. <laughs> Maggie is a portrait artist. Jay is an architecture graduate student. What's a graduate student? You're okay. a student or you're a graduate? Okay, you're an unemployed Harry. graduate. Jeanette is a journalist and social commentator for SBS. SBS? Yeah. Okay, so, that's good. That's, 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 a, that's a genuine profession. A social commentator for SBS. Well, no. You said journalist, a social commentator. Social commentator. I'll, I'll sum up her job in, in two words. You're transphobic! Harry, what happened to the old school professions, you know? The old school professions? The old school professions. You know, you went out, you became, you become doctor. Aha. Uh-huh. You become soldier in World War One. Soldier in World War One. Yeah, yeah. Farmer. Old, yeah, what about the good old days when everyone was at war? Everyone, yeah. Well, I miss those days. Um, anyway. That's edgy. Uh, so... Uh, the now that leprosy is sort of defeated, always remain vigilant. Vigilant lepers. Now that it's sort of defeated, we can say leper colonies. Oh, aren't they? Weren't they just terrible? They, they put all those lepers I heard on them an quite island. Lovely. Isn't that what Great Keppel Island was? Well, we don't we don't know because we sort of put them there and then no one spoke to them ever again. So we don't mm. know whether they enjoyed it or not. Mm. We presume they enjoyed it because islands are fun. Christmas Island. Every day it's Christmas. Every day it's island. No, it is no, it is no. Let it snow, snow, snow. Democracy. <laughs> and and so now we can say, oh, lep- leper colonies, they were terrible. What a breach of human rights to be taken against your will to an island full of lepers. Um, well, if you're a leper yourself, that was like an island full of people just like you. <laughs> I think it's, I only, know, it's I only helpful on this occasion to use the analogy of herpes. If you have herpes and then you have a, a lover who has herpes, do you just sort of go, oh, well... We both got herpes. Lose. That's that's true. But or do you both in continuously increase the herpes infection? Speaking from experience, yes. Um, but my point about the lepers is that did they feel a bit of injustice at the sense that there were penal colonies on other islands that were actually better islands? People who'd actually committed crimes were having a more they were having a better time on their own. Well, anyway. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Solitaire. Um, it's the game that 
some people can only play solitaire because you know they're lonely exactly it's you know what solitaire actually means in french what's it mean it's actually french for my girlfriend left me and it's date night and i need a break from looking through her facebook pictures Mm. Mm. so you play solitaire Uh uh-huh that's what it's all about mate and so basically there was a solitaire society and they all came together these people who love playing solitaire and they were like hey now that we're all here why don't we not play solitaire and that became Tawong Bridge Club the Tawong Bridge Club yes you're kidding me absolutely I just thought they really liked bridges no oh oh I tell you what what if you rock up there with your cards and you go bridge night and they all just spin round and and yeah, they're they making like little spaghetti bridges. Yeah, look at you like you're just standing naked with an erection. And they're like, "What are you doing?" We dislike bridges, mate. <laughs> I miss. I love Mr. William Jolly. He's my favorite. I like the Story Bridge. That's yeah. my favorite, and I like the Gateway. I'll rank the top three in no particular order: Golden Gate, Go Between, Sydney Harbour. Sydney Harbour. Isn't the Go Between one of the great bridges? Go Between. Go Between bridges. I won't say great bridge. It's a great, great band. For the price you pay, it has to be one of the great bridges. You'd hope it's one of the great bridges for the, the, the money coming to your pocket, Harry. Yeah. You'd hope it's one of the great bridges of the world. But unfortunately, Harry, I think, I think it's just a run-of-the-mill bridge, just a bridge to get you from point A to point B, which they all are in the end. Harry. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's a local resident who actually lives in an apartment tower near the go-between bridge, and he knows how many people drive across the go-between bridge um, every day because he every time someone drives over the bridge... Uh, he generally hears this. Fuck! Missed the turn off! Unbelievable. Well, Will, thank you for coming on the show. It's been simply marvellous. I've had a great time. I think our listeners, they've they've messaged in. They've said, uh, oh, okay, we won't read that one out. Oh, um, no. Actually, but this one, they said, oh, no, that's oh, got no, a lot of swear words. Either. It's a lot of swear words. But actually, this other Jeremy family... Jeremy Corbyn can't be messaging in, can he? No, no. Jeez, oh, in, no. International rates. He must have been very passionate about that one. Oh, and yes, that's a lot of swear words. He is. But, look, but Will, thanks for coming in. Harry, a nice, firm handshake for you. It was a pleasure, mate. Loved it. Well, come come back again soon, and we'll, we'll see you all off tonight with a fantastic, and I do not say this lightly, guys, a fantastic new song. And this is a new song by one Robert Forster. You might remember him from the Go-Betweens, but you also might remember him from Robert Forster, the solo artist. He is a truly true gentleman, and this is a truly great song. Inferno, open bracket, Brisbane in summer, close bracket.